0: Let's talk about 1031 exchanges. So this is something we've got a lot of experience with. We help a lot of individual investors with these because there's a lot of different types and they can be very complex. I'm Taylor Vick and this is the Real Estate Fund Insider. We're pulling back the curtain on how to grow wealth and passive income through real estate investment funds. So let's do a quick dive into the history of 1031 exchanges. So the 1031 exchange, also known as the like-kind exchange, actually came about from farmers. So back in the day, you've got farmer A and farmer B, they have land that's contiguous or next to each other, but it would make more sense if you know farmer A had this piece that farmer B owns and vice versa. So what they would do is they would just trade the land. They would say, you give me that, um, I'll take this and we'll just trade. So they would do that, but then the IRS would say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! This, this is an economic activity, even though there wasn't money exchanged. There was, there was economic activity going on here. Therefore, we're going to tax you for it. Um, you know, you bought the land for this; it's probably worth this now. So when you traded it, you realized a gain. You have to pay. Um, and what happened is the farmer said, Look, we we don't have any money to pay it. There's no money exchange like this. This is ridiculous, you know? It's just something that made sense and we traded. So from that grew into what the 1031 exchange is today, which allows real estate investors to change from one property to another without having to pay taxes at that point. It's a, it's a method of tax deferral. So whatever the basis is, or your taxable basis in that property now transfers to the new property. So if you bought a property for a $1 million and you depreciated it $250,000, your taxable basis is now $750,000. So even if you sell it for $2 million, you can go in and buy a $2 million property, but you get to keep that $750,000 basis without paying taxes. So what this means is when you sell the $2 million property, you are being taxed from $750,000 up to the sale price as opposed to if you had bought it new at $2 million, you would be taxed to $2 million less depreciation. So what you're doing is transferring that basis in the original property into the new property. So if you do sell the new property, you're paying the taxes that were going to be due from the previous one and from the new one. So in short, it allows investors to sell a property and buy a new property without paying the taxes in between. This is a powerful method of increasing your cash flow or continuing to scale up your portfolio since you're not having to deplete your capital by paying taxes. So the the different kinds, and there there are a lot of different kinds. I don't know if they all have names, but every one I've done has been unique and different. Your most basic one is you're going to sell one property and you're going to buy another property. So you've got 45 days to identify a new property and 180 days to close. So you're kind of on a time crunch, you have to be ready. But you sell one property, you buy a new property, you don't pay taxes. That's pretty much the most basic method. So other ways to structure these is you can sell multiple properties and 1031 into a single property. So you can have, we have an investor right now who's selling three properties and they're going to 1031 into one or two properties. So the key thing with that, each sale has that 45 day, 180 day uh, time deadlines. So you have to make sure that you're taking that into consideration to line those up uh, to all close at the same time. So that would be one where you're selling multiple and buying one. You can also sell one and buy multiple. You can sell multiple, buy multiple, any kind of combination like that. Another strategy is called uh, the tick are the tenant in common. So when you think about a piece of real estate and you think about who owns it, you usually think you know one person owns it. But that's not always how it works. So tenancy in common is when multiple people own the property. So if you look at the deed, it could have a list of 100 people if there's 100 people that own it together. So with this, what you're able to do is have 1031s from multiple people that can come in and buy one property as tenants in common. The reason for this is that it is a like-kind exchange, meaning you have to sell real estate and buy real estate. So you can't buy into a company that owns real estate, you have to buy into the real estate itself. So if multiple people wanna come together, one of the methods is this tick method, where you come in and each person owns the property as uh, on one deed. This is also a great way, if you're selling uh, a 1031 property yourself, but you wanna buy something that costs more than the 1031 dollars you have. So you're able to go in with your 1031 and then essentially partner with yourself or with another entity to buy that property so you can buy something larger. So then that one entity or person would have their basis in there and then the new person would have a separate basis as well. Another method that we utilize a lot is 1031 into a property and then being absorbed by a fund. So with the 1031, it's a like-kind exchange. You have to go from real estate into real estate. So you can't go you cannot go from real estate into an investment fund. However, if you have a company that is, going, that is doing a 1031 exchange, going from real estate to real estate, that company can be acquired under certain provisions into the fund. And therefore, uh, the merger of that LLC or entity into a larger entity would give the person making the exchange ownership within all the properties. Another option that a lot of investors pursue is what's called a Delaware Statutory Trust or a DST. So this is similar to a TIC, but it is something that's a little bit more commoditized or securitized. So with a DST, you can invest your 1031 proceeds into a larger scale property without having any of the management responsibility or other ownership responsibilities. So you invest into the trust as a beneficiary of the trust and then there is a trustee who essentially manages the property and the project. So this is a great way for someone who has a lot of gains in real estate but doesn't want to work on real estate much anymore to uh, take advantage of the 1031 while also being able to be more hands off with the real estate. In general, your returns are going to be lower because it's a commoditized product, but it is a great solution for someone who either can't find a replacement property or doesn't want to be as involved in real estate. So what do you as an investor need to know about a 1031 exchange and, and which one is right for you? The first thing you need to do and need to know is that a qualified intermediary or a QI, some people call them an exchange agent, has to be involved in the process pretty much from day one. Before you put it on the market, you should really be talking to a qualified intermediary because there's so many time-sensitive steps. So if you sell the property and you take, you take possession of the cash, you cannot perform a 1031. It has to go to a qualified intermediary and it takes them time to get everything set up to be able to receive those funds. So the first thing is get a QI or qualified intermediary involved from the beginning. Um, Other important things to know is it does not erase taxes, it defers taxes. So these taxes aren't going away, they're just being pushed until you sell the property again. The only way to get out of paying the taxes is to die. And yeah, I say that as a joke because obviously you're not going to pay them if you're dead, but also because when the properties pass on, the recipients of the property through the estate get what's called step-up basis. So, what that means is whatever the current value of the property is, that's their new uh, tax basis. So, if the property had a tax basis through 1031 exchanges of 500000 but was worth $2 million at the time of uh, passing on, it would move up to $2 million. so then it could be sold with no taxes. So unfortunately, the only way to totally get out of the taxes is to die. But it is a great part of estate planning if you want to pass that wealth on to your children uh, tax-free. Another, maybe the most important consideration when you're doing a 1031 exchange is to ask yourself why. I see a lot of people who are so obsessed without paying taxes that they make bad investment decisions. And you see this a lot with 1031 exchange. All the person can think about is if I sell this property, I'm going to have to pay this much in taxes and I'm not going to do that. And they end up investing in a bad investment. So at the end of the day, taxes are part of the math equation. I I always say real estate is a math problem and taxes are part of that math. So not paying the taxes isn't always the best solution. Sometimes it may make more sense to sell and pay the taxes so that you can make better decisions because of the very strict guidelines and timeframes of the 1031 exchange. So yeah, the 1031 stuff is very complex. It's got a degree of risk because of of the hard deadlines and all of the rules around it. The good thing for our clients is it's not really something they have to worry about. We handle all of that for them and not just 1031, but any kind of tax strategy. We've thought these out, we've researched them, we've consulted with our CPAs. We're aware of what's available to investors. So there's no reason to worry about all these complexities or put yourself under the stress, under the gun of purchasing a new property within 180 days or identifying a property within 45 days. We're here to do that for our investors.